Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben Mackay from the North Melbourne Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host, Dean. Thank you, Ben Mackay. Welcome to another episode. If this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on Twitter, hashtag Kangas, Instagram, hashtag Kangaroos Podcast, TikTok, hashtag Kangaroos One. So tonight, I welcome back Frank, Jesse, and Marnie to the show to go through um, what is going on at our club. Uh, it was a therapy session where we go through all our feelings and how we are feeling as supporters of this great club. Are we a club in crisis? I mean, we don't uh, have to go too far on social media to see people uh, threatening to not renew memberships, uh, not attend games for the rest of the year, and so forth. 11 wins in four seasons, and we have players like Eddie Ford that hasn't played in a career win yet. Um, he is 18 games into his career as well. Ben McCoy has seven wins in, in 60-odd games of football, so a lot to go through, and we did go through a lot. Um, it went for you know close to an hour and a half, I believe, so... Um, yeah, and also did a review of our performance against the Eagles. So let's not waste any more of the valuable time and bring on all those individuals, Jesse, Frank, and Marnie, to talk about it. Gentlemen and Marnie, uh, welcome to the show. And I feel it's an appropriate time to get you all on the same time because we are all flat and heartbroken, to say the least, after another loss to a team we should have beaten and should have beaten well. So, Frank, I'll start with you. In the start of the year, and we were all hyped up when Clarko first came to the club and looking forward to the season, it started so promising with a great pre-season and wins in the first two rounds. But in the words of Billy Bean from Moneyball, there's good teams, bad teams, 53 to crap, and then there's us. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I can't wait for this season to end now. How about you? Yeah, I'd have to say I'm exactly the same, Dean. I mean, uh, I'm uh, the losses just – I mean, they kind of sting for – a couple of hours and then you just move on. It's just, uh, there, there's really, um, uh, I probably lost my enthusiasm for the year probably about four weeks ago. Uh, and I've sort of just been looking at the end, uh, thinking, okay, well, um, let's just get it over and done with and then start the process of moving on. Who doesn't want to be there and trying to gather who does want to come to the club. Um, but yeah, it's certainly, um, uh, probably the most prolonged period, uh, as I've said to you before, Dean, I've been a member now, I think, for 35 years consecutively, and this is probably the most prolonged period of poor football that I've I've seen. Yeah, I mean, it feels like uh, an execution date. Um, you're sort of waiting for that, and it's a slow death at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, Marnie, I mean... Eddie Ford has played 18 games, hasn't won a game uh, since he's been playing. I think Ben Mackay has seven wins in 60-odd games. Looks like he's leaving. Um, I mean, our culture and leadership right now is as bad as our performances. There doesn't seem to be a direction on the field. Troy Makepeace sort of said it best in a tweet when, and I'll read the tweet, um, things that don't require skill or talent are effort, intensity, work rate. There is no care or respect for the jumper, and after opposition kick a goal, they just go back and give each other a pat and say, let's do better. Uh, they play like they don't give a shit. Um, and, yeah, that was it. Um, that's pretty strong words from a former player, but it's hard to disagree with him, though, at the moment. Yeah, it is really hard to disagree. And I just feel like every week I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, this is rock bottom. Let's see, you know, we're going to bounce back next week. And then we hit a new rock bottom. And then a new rock bottom, I think the last three weeks have just completely broken me. That performance against Hawthorne was just 
completely in, in, not acceptable. Then the way we lost that game to St Kilda last weekend was just so heartbreaking. And then to come out and to not to fail to respond, let West Coast we, we let West Coast West Coast running around that field like it was two thousand eighteen. Like they looked unstoppable, and it's so disappointing when we played Hawthorne in round three on the back of those first two wins that we had. I feel like we had a sense of arrogance about us and a bit of a oh. Yeah, we don't, you know, we almost didn't pay Hawthorne the respect that they deserved. I think we kind of just expected to show up and win. And I don't know who we think we are expecting that, right? So I feel like there was an element of that on Sunday. I feel like we just sort of expected to rock up and just show up and win. And we were just talking off air. We played a quarter and a half and we lost by five points on the weekend. Imagine had we played three and a half to four quarters of strong football, we probably would have walked away with the 10 goal win, to be honest, because there were patches in that game where we actually looked unstoppable. I mean, Curtis, uh, Paul Curtis, sorry. And I'm sure we'll talk, talk about him at some point. Paul Curtis in that second quarter. I mean, nothing, nothing was getting in his way. And we had patches like that around the in the game and we, we barely showed up, you know, for half the game. So it is so frustrating. And as a supporter, I just wanted to win. I'm just at this point now where I don't pay a membership every year. And I don't show up to games, you know, every game in Melbourne every year and travel here and travel there to watch the side come close to a win or to watch the side be a step closer to Harley Reid. I'm there to see us get the four points. I'm there to win because that's what and see us win. That's what football's all about. So it just how many more rock bottoms are we going to face before we can finally see that victory? I don't know how much more I can take. Thankfully, there's only four rounds left of the year for us. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a pretty strong chance we won't win another game this year, um, judging by the way it's going. And, yeah, Jesse, I think Marnie um, pretty much summed it up really well. The frustration yesterday was, or the day before, I should say, was when we applied intent and pressure, we were far too strong for them. Uh, but we only did it for, like Marnie said, a quarter and a half. And the rest was just no. And the rest of the game was just no intent, no pressure. Players just jogging along and giving one effort, and not being desperate enough to win. And that's what we want. We want to see a bit of desperation, like Elliot Yo when he did that tackle to Eddie Ford. Um, yeah, when he was having a shot at goal in the goal square, we, we just don't have enough of those players that are desperate to stop goals. We sort of um, just plot along, don't we? Oh, spot on. Uh, you know, I think I think everyone's kind of hit the nail on the head. We we don't bring the effort. Um, we, we've brought effort a few few games this year uh, when we probably weren't you know supposed to win the Sydney game, the Essendon game, you know, the St Kilda game. We applied effort for you know for extended periods, not for the whole four quarters, but for extended periods, and that was great. But then, you know, I've only said it. In the games where we, you know, potentially would have been, should have been favourite, which was the Hawks earlier this year, um, you know, the West Coast this week, and even the Hawks the other week, we just did not, didn't show up. Uh, And that's probably the most disheartening thing. Um, You know, you can sit here and watch, watch, you know, a team lose, um, and look at all the positives, you know, like had you signed up for the Gold Coast or GWS in their first couple of years when they were getting, you know, absolutely smashed every week, at least you go, well, we're walking, working towards something because we've got a lot of kids and we've got promise, etc. We, we have such a talent void on the list um, that there's, there's still a long way to go. And 
So you can't afford for for blokes who are meant to be the more senior members of the team to be not, you know, not caring. And that's just what it looks like. And that's, yeah, the most disheartening thing. But this is players who aren't consistently giving an effort and trying. Like, as you said, yo, you know, a senior member of the opposition team actually having a crack. And he came on as the sub as well, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, he comes on as the sub. So, you know, he might have been already been unhappy with starting as the sub. Comes on you know, absolutely has a crack at it. And you've got senior players in our team, including people in our leadership group slash captain, um, who just weren't applying the required pressure or operating at the required level. So it just makes you look, obviously anyone in, in, in a workplace where there's a lot of pressure and it's not a particularly great place to work, doesn't work to the best of their ability. That's just, you know, normal with any occupation mm. out there. Um, it, I can't help but think that it's just not a great place to be at the moment. And unfortunately, that means that they're not giving 100% when they come out and play. You know, I'm sure that Ben Mackay will go to another club next year and, you know, what he'll probably become all Australian. Um, you know, Taron Thomas, you know, we're going to cover these players later, but there'll be players who potentially or will leave at the end of this year. Um, and they'll probably go have great careers somewhere else. But that's fine because we we need to keep the older blokes who actually are prepared to go through the war and fight it out every single game. We we don't have, you know, we've got kids who on pure excitement and, and, and you know, want to be in the game will give their effort every single week regardless of result because they're just happy to be there. But we need the older blokes to step in and they're just not doing it. No, yeah, couldn't agree more with that. Um, Frank, what needs to happen at the end of the year? Do heads need uh, to roll as far as list changes go? I mean, Brady Rawlings has talked about, um, you know, a, a bit of a turnover, or, or could uh, list management be uh, under a bit of pressure um, and maybe happen to start, you know, how are they going to um, sort of start to fix this? Um, or do we just need more patience? Well, I think <clears throat> I think there'd be certainly some questions asked about list management. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple of changes there. Some of the matchups and what we did strategically out on the ground on on uh, on Sunday were was were, were baffling. Um, so I think you'd have to ask some questions about some of the assistants that have been there for a while. Um, as far as a list goes, Dean, oh, I'm still I still think that there's enough talent on there for us to be a far better side than what we're playing. But I think we've dug ourselves into a hole of, of, of no confidence, no dare, um, nobody. Uh, we must be super easy to defend against because nobody runs, nobody carries, no one bites off a tough kick. Um, so there'll be, there'll obviously be changes because we've got to go from 46 to 42 uh, there's going to be some retirements, possibly some forced retirements. Um, so I think there's going to be probably a natural turnover of, you know, eight to 10 players anyway, which is going to make us the youngest side in the comp by a stretch, I think. So it's probably just going to um, require a bit more patience as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of supporters, their patience is starting to wear real thin. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are starting to threaten to not renew their memberships uh, next year and so forth. So, I mean, Marnie, does a club need uh, an, an internal review to maybe work on some things like we did with Jeff Walsh? I only don't sack the coaches, but maybe um, things of how we can improve things. 
Yeah, I, I think that anything would really help at this point. Um, I think it's super mm-hmm. important to remember, though, um, Clarko walked into a list that he didn't, that he's inherited. Mm-hmm. He actually didn't really have much of an imp- um, much of a say on majority of the list going into this season. Yeah. I'm sure a couple of, um, I'm sure he had a, a say on a couple of decisions um, when he did arrive uh, late last year officially. But this is probably, I feel like we almost have to look at at this now as day one almost I think the day we play the Gold Coast it's our last game of the year I think that's day one it's the next day um it'll be the first time that Clark has really had an opportunity to get stuck into the list I think there will be a fairly significant list turnover it wouldn't surprise me if Hugh Greenwood's the most senior player on that list next year um I can't see well obviously Zebel's retired I think Cunnington will probably follow um I think Goldstein will either retire or one year two years elsewhere um and Liam Shields will either play one more year or he'll move into a into an off-field role at the club um I think rumors that he will retire again at the end of the year and then transition to that role and then Aaron Hall will probably not be there either so already that's five really key senior personnel who probably won't be playing next year maybe one will still be but otherwise I think the list is going to look completely I think it has to because I think we are evidently quite far off the mark. Um, so I think there is a lot of work that needs to be done. And I don't think it hurts. I don't think any of this hurts because we are now sit- we have not made a dint on the competition for, you know, coming up to five or six <clears> years <throat> now. We've just been sitting at the bottom of the barrel. Um, and so I think we really need to do everything that we can to steer ourselves back in the right direction. For sure. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, Jesse, if you're president um, coming into the end of the season, let's say we lose the next four, which probably most likely happened based on uh, uh, recent yeah recent uh, evidence, um, what would you be looking at? And yeah, how could you sell hope to members uh, for next year? Because it's it'll be a tough job. Yeah, look, it's a difficult one. I mean. <sighs> If you look at our win results over the last couple of years, so, Ben, what, we had three wins in 2020, four wins in 2021, two wins and then two wins. And obviously this year there's an extra game, so that's going to be an extra loss, you'd assume. Um, so you've got to try and sell something on the back of that. Now, they had obviously the Clarko card coming into this year, and that was kind of the selling point. Um, but they don't have that. <laughs> they don't have that. All they have is that this is, you know, probably the first year that he and whoever else he decides to bring in, but him and I guess the people that he's already brought in um, have had a crack at it. So this is the first time that they've been, you know, involved in it. There is going to be big list turnover. Um, there's going to be legends of the club who, who, who leave. And that's obviously going to be disheartening as well. I think you've just got to sell it on the back of kids. Um you know, I think look, there, there, there is a lot of talented kids on our list and we'll be bringing on, but we, we need to bring on a significant amount more. Um, but that's that's how you, it's going to be difficult for them to sell it. Um, I think as well, they're going to have to look to bring on some senior guys from other clubs who are good leaders. Um, you know, people who have... Like like Liam Shields a little bit, but we need to look on to bring probably three or four of them on, kind of like the Gold Coast or GWS did in their first year anyway, where you've got some older blokes setting standards. Because my concern is that our older blokes aren't setting 
I mean, Joy Simpkins meant to be a, a fantastic trainer, but um, we probably just don't have the older blokes there to set the right standards. And I think that kind of means we have to do that and, and, and a bit of a reset. But yeah, in terms of selling message, I mean, the only message you can think of is that it can't can't get worse. I'm sure we could find a way of doing it. We could win no games. Um, yeah, I, look, I think it's hard to sell because there, I, I don't think that there's an easy way out of this. Um, if, you know, we could bring on a heap of kids next year, it doesn't mean we're going to be any better uh, of a side, if anything. You know, we might, you know, we might stay the same for a year or two until you know the kids can get up to standard and get up, you know, get some experience under the belt. So, yeah, look, it's going to be another, it's going to be a rough period of time unless they do something miraculous over the trade uh, period. Um, especially if they can't find another key defender, uh, that could be pretty rough. Watching, um, oh God, who knows? I'm trying to think of the most unlikely person to play back, but God. It could be it could be rough. So yeah, in terms of look, the one thing I will say in terms of the president and the the CEO, I've, I've got trust in the girls. Um, you know, they they they're both very very switched on uh, operators, um, and I think that they'll do what's required. Um, so I have faith in them. Now we've just got to have faith in the, you know, we need to sort out our development, make sure we've actually got a development team that seems to know what they're doing. Um, I think that's been our poorest area and that's probably uh, applied a little bit of pressure on Brady almost. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a recruitment issue as much as it is a development issue, but yeah, we need to review and invest in those areas and then try and build a bit of a positive message going into next year. I think their best best way of doing that is by, uh, you know, kind of getting the kids to talk and, and be the face of it a little bit. Um, you know, if the same players keep, keep coming out and saying, saying the same message, it will kind of fall on deaf ears. But, you know, when Sheasel comes out and says something or Wardlaw comes out and says something and, you know, they they genuinely seem to think that, you know, things will change, uh, it, 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 it probably um, makes makes people want to stay on board a little bit more because you, you, you're actually hearing it from the people who, you know, are the future. Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely not, you know, Sonia Hood or Jennifer Watts' no, fault. Uh, no, that, not that, at all. That we're in this predicament. Um, you know, I mean, they, they've certainly made tough decisions um, with uh, getting rid of uh, David Noble and got, you know, put, went overs uh, to, you know, bent over backwards to get Alistair Clarkson, you know, the greatest coach of the last 30-odd uh, odd years to the club. So, yeah, I mean, if anything, they should be praised. But, uh, yeah, something's gone amiss there. And, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, development is a key issue at the moment because we seem to be getting players that get to, you know, mid-20s and they're pretty much um, – they've plateaued in their career and almost gone backwards. And, yeah, we have to almost get rid of them. So, yeah, no, there's certainly got to be question marks about that and where that's gone over the years. Because, yeah, I mean, in 2020, we did a big list, Carl, and we got a lot of <clears throat> really a lot of players between 25 and 29, which is what we really need on the list at the moment. Um, there's one player um, that I want to talk about uh, that's been in the headlines a little bit over the last couple of days, and that's Taron Thomas right now, Frank. Apparently, unfollowed the club on social media over the weekend, and some of his defensive efforts left a lot to be desired. Um, should we be looking to sell him before he does something stupid off the field again, and yeah, try and get uh, good value for him while while he's you know there is value there? 
Oh, I think the club would be exploring that, Dean. Um, I I heard that uh, something about uh, a post that he put up post-game. I didn't see it uh, and stuff like that. But I did say when he sort of came back to the club um, and started playing again after the turmoil at the start of the year that it's hard to get emotionally invested in a player because the ice is so thin beneath him that at any given moment, he'll be gone. Um, so if they could get something decent for him um, rather than a fire sale, I'd, I'd explore that, absolutely. Um, but saying that, I wouldn't give him away for a, a, a fourth-round pick just to get him off the list. But I think the club would be – I'd be shocked if they weren't preparing um, for a possible trade request from his camp. Yeah, Marnie, what what do you think? I mean, he's obviously a talented footballer and he's the type of player we need. He's got that outside run and, and very highly skilled, but um, he's a loose cannon. And, yeah, where, where do you sit with him? It's an exceptionally hard decision because he is such a talented footballer. And there have been moments this year since he's come back into the side and he has done things that no player on our list is capable of doing, not even LDU. And I would say LDU is far and beyond the best player that we have on our list. Um, so, but it's an attitude thing and it is a, you're right. It's the off the off field stuff and how does the off field outweigh the on field and, and sort of what's been going on there. And, um, there's no, there's no promise that he's going. Oh, I think Barney, Barney's just cut out. Uh, yep, she has. Uh, Jesse, you might as well uh, go to you then until uh, Marnie comes back. Um, where do you think he's? Uh, where, where do you think we should go with him? Um, look, at the moment he's got one year left. He's on uh, rumored to be on a lot of money, around eight hundred thousand. I wouldn't be signing, re-signing, re-signing uh, him to a long-term deal right now. Uh, well, if you had to make a choice, what would you be doing with him? Yeah, look. You know, Marnie was spot on. There's been times this year where he's done things that no one on the list can do. Uh, he is an extremely talented footballer. Um, you know, he's probably got the most class or, or silky skill of anyone on the list. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, if you look, if you focus on, you know, what he did uh, off-field and, and, you know, what, you know, what he went through this year and what, you know, what he did. Um, I think fundamentally that's something that you shouldn't need to educate someone on it, even if they're in their early twenties and, you know, the club's obviously done a bucket, you know, a bucket of work and he's done some work um, off the field, but I don't think it's one of those things that you just teach someone to improve on um, and then just hope that they're going to be a better person. I, I think that's just, you know, people make mistakes, but, it, 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 yeah, I'm not sure that's something that he can, you know, improve on. Um, and I think that he's there's always going to be a risk of him, A, making more mistakes, or B, influencing people around him. And, you know, uh, that's not what we need when we're going to have an extremely young side. So while he is an extremely classy... Um, if, 
unless he is 100% committed and he comes to the club and says, I am prepared to take less money and you can sign me to a lower deal and I'm going to show you, and he can put a compelling case forward, um, and he's prepared to even prove me wrong, then, then, then sure, maybe, then maybe back him. But if he's going to, you know, demand a, another huge paycheck off the back of what he's done, um, not stand by the club, and it, on the weekend, he, some of his efforts were heartless. Um, and then mm. the unfollowing of the club thing's a bit comical, really. I think that kind of shows that he's going to be a type of person whose maturity level is not going to improve. It uh, doesn't matter how many courses on base human respect you give a person. Um, yeah, I, I just think that's probably his maturity level, unfortunately. So, yeah, look, I'd be uh, I'd be shipping him off unless he's uh, prepared to take a low deal. Yeah, I don't know if he's prepared to go that far. Um, and plus, you know, there, are, there is rumours um, of Gold Coast even offering as high as, you know, what, what is it, uh, pick five or something like that. Um, because uh, you've got, yeah, they've got academy prospects um, that uh, are high up in the draft. So the pick five is pretty much irrelevant for them. So they'll want picks later to build up those points. Uh, Marnie, uh, welcome back. Uh, did you want to add anything else uh, to the Tarrant Thomas thing? No, I just, I think just on the back of what Jesse said, I just don't think you can trust him, to be honest. Um, I just don't think you can trust that there is going to be improvement in maturity. And I think give somebody lessons on human respect and decency says it all for me, really. That's something that really shouldn't need to be taught. It should be an instinctual thing. So, yeah, if he, think he is such an asset on the field, but... I don't know if that's if, if it's going to be worth the trouble long term. No, definitely around. not. Yeah, no, definitely not. And yeah, I mean, you know, if, if I'm following a, a club on social media, I mean, a club is backed into a hill, really, like uh, no one else. Oh, considering, what, yeah, considering all the stuff he has done, and you know, been found guilty of as well. So, yeah, we'll move on anyway, and we might as well talk about someone else. Um, and a guy that's, uh, you know, had a positive career at the football club, and that's Jack Zeeble. Um, and his retirement that will be coming in the next few weeks. Frank, he spoke so well and hard uh, not to get emotional over his retirement speech, but what are your fondest memories of him? Um, I think I might have messaged, uh, I don't know if I, if I messaged you, uh, Dean, about it or whether I posted it, but I remember being at the Best and Fairest the night. Um, that's right. Uh, Adam Simpson had, well, who we'd known he'd retired uh, and he got up and made a speech and announced that he was going to hand his number down to Jack Zeeble. Uh And he was obviously just a young fella back then. And I bailed him up, had a few drinks by then, Dean, which might surprise you. And um, uh, I sort of said, congratulations, mate. Yeah, how do you feel about, you know, getting the number seven? And he was generally shocked, you know, really humble young kid who said, I can't believe it, you know, that he's given me his number and, and stuff like that. Uh, and so that's probably my favourite memory of him one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. And then there was, um, you know, moments out on the field where uh, he did play some some really, really good footies. He, he's never going to be a Dustin Martin or remembered in that ilk. Uh, but you can't question his determination and, and his will to put his body over the over the footy and, and represent the jumper was was unmatched. Um, so uh, he's when you ask blokes to just give everything you've got, uh, I think he was one of those guys that you could say, okay, look, at times he struggled and the game might have gone past him, but you know he left everything out on the field. 
Yeah, no, definitely pretty well said to there too, Frank. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, that's right. He did uh, comment uh, the other day about um, yeah, the best and fairest. Uh, Jesse, what about you? Oh, God, I was thinking about this in terms of what my you know favorite memories of of Jack are. Look, there's some games that he played that were really impressive. You know, he kicked five goals last year, almost got us over the line. There was, I think, a game against Adelaide where in the last quarter he put it on, played forward, and kicked a few goals early, you know, earlier in his career when we kind of learnt that he could play forward. Um, you know, that game where he had 41 against the Dogs really early in his career. I think that was like 20, 2010 or 2011 or something. Um, so especially early, early in his career, um, you know, he could really rack it up. Um, the, the one thing that comes to mind for me when I think of Jack Siebel is the 2014 semi-final against Geelong. Um, two big goals. That there was one in particular that I reckon was from about 50. I think it was the third quarter when we were building the lead on them before they came back. Um, but I distinctly remember him taking, uh, yeah, two really solid marks from, you know, difficult angles, a fair way out. Um, and he really, uh, you know, at, at pivotal moments of the game, it was obviously a, um, you know, in a, a semi final and, you know, he kicked two goals. Um, so that that's the one that weirdly comes to mind for me. I think just purely because it was in a final, um, that that's why I remember it. I think it was the most he kicked in a final either. Not that obviously we paid, played a massive amount of finals, but um, yeah, I distinctly remember him doing that in third, kicking two long bombs. Um, and it was obviously Andrew Swallow's team at that that time, but you could kind of tell that it was going to, you know, the baton was going to pass over to Jack. Um, I think ultimately the fact that he's ca- he captained us through our most difficult years um, up and you know really up until this year, and he's obviously been a leader on field even even though he doesn't have the captaincy this year. And I think you've got to impre- you know be impressed by that that despite what we've been through, he he has been one hundred percent loyal to the club, um, and I think that's the most impressive thing for mine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Marnie, any fond memories? Yeah, um, against the Bulldogs in 2018. I think it was around 14 when he kicked the winning goal um, from the goal square. I mean, I've watched that goal, footage of that goal way too many times. It's it's actually quite sad, to be honest. Um, but <laughs> I think that's definitely, that's my favourite Jack Sable memory. It's one of my favourite games of all time. Um, early in his career, he played St Kilda and he touched up Nick Rewalt. I think he got three or four weeks. He was suspended four and there was so much uproar and, and outrage and he kind of came, I'm never going to change the way I play. I'm always going to go hard at the ball. And I think um, just to echo what Jesse said, he was he's definitely going to go one of our best captains in history. I mean, what he was able to do and how he was able to captain the club through our most difficult period, um, both on and, and probably partially off field as well. And I think his value as a captain is only really sinking in now. Um, watching what the club's gone through this year and he obviously isn't the captain of the side. I think that, you know, I, it, it just, I think we've all had questions on, I know everyone's had questions on McDonald and I think some people are probably questioned, are questioning Simcad now and is this duo really the strongest pair of players at the club to captain us. Um, I think it just 
kind of echoes what an incredible leader Steve's was for us. Um, very much a team first player, very, you know, a warrior, very inspirational, really resilient. Um, and for me, just an, like, for me, really an ultimate leader and, and an ultimate clubman. And I think that his, I mean, he will still be at the club next year. He's obviously transitioning into an AFLW um, role. And I think it's super important to have him at the club um, moving forward, especially in the sort of short to medium term, um, while this club is really going through another rebuild and another clean out. Um, and he is definitely a strong character that we'd want to have at the club in some capacity. So I'm glad that he is staying on. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just, I think sitting back and reflecting on it now, you just really can't speak highly enough of him as a leader and the way he was able to just impact the club over that period of time. And even this year, as, as Jesse just said before, um, still really leading from the character. So yeah, I think that for me really just summarizes Sabes and his time at North. Yeah, I think that uh, game against the Bulldogs was probably the last game we we won uh, in 2018. It feels that long to be honest. With you. <laughs> uh, I think it's the last time I was happy at a football game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, it feels like yesterday that 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 win. Uh, to be honest with you, because yeah, I can't actually. I was free, man. I wasn't around two, but uh, doesn't matter. Um, now, unfortunately, we'll go to the game, Frank. Um, the game played above the shoulders. And there were some positives in the game, believe it or not. Uh, Paul Curtis kicked four goals in the second quarter. It should have been five. I think he hit the post from the goal square. Um, but it just showed the talent this boy has, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, look, he was. Uh, I've always been in, impressed by his his physical strength. I think he still uh, needs to work on his defensive side, but he's a, a young kid that really doesn't get pushed off the ball easily. Um, and uh, for his age and his size, that's really promising. And, and I think that helped him towards a few of those goals on the weekend. You know, he'd love to sit there and go, that's that's his breakout game. And and years from now, we'll be talking about the disastrous day that, uh, you know, um, saw the coming of age of Paul Curtis. So, yeah, Dean, that was that was a real positive. Um, I thought, uh, you know, Bailey Scott continues to against the tide, as does LDU. Uh, and and Nick Larkey to an extent, um, but um, there wasn't really much else to be honest. It was there was uh, as um, uh, both Jesse and Marnie said there was some um, instances by uh, uh, players, you know, senior players to an extent of absolutely no effort or no secondary efforts, uh, which was really disappointing. Yeah, it definitely was, and we'll get more to that as well. Uh, Jesse, I put out a tweet as to why it has taken so long to play Sheasel up forward like we did last quarter, and he almost won us a game. I don't mind him playing the back line when we, when we can, but I feel like long-term he is a forward uh, midfielder, and we should be playing him there more than he has been. Yeah, I um, I tweeted something similar, and then my Essendon friend gave me a bit of a whack for it. Right. Um, yeah, look, it's an interesting one because, uh, you know, to, to his point and a few people's point, it's probably the only successful thing we've done this year, which is bring Sheasel into the game in a position which is, you know, easier. We've eased him into it. You can see the approach we've yeah. taken it, the Dacos approach. We've eased him into it and put him on the half-back line. And you know what? At this stage, he probably wins our – well, him or Larky probably wins our best and fairest, in all honesty, which is pretty impressive, but it's also extremely sad. Um, and, you know, it's, he's done a really, really good job being down back. But 
yeah, the, the the main reason we wanted to draft him, other than his his elite skills, was you know I likened him to Toby Green up forward last year in the you know the juniors. He kicked forty plus goals. Uh, he had an absolute blinder of a, a of a year. So you'd love to see him. I have no issue with him playing half games uh, down back, but there should be more instances rather than you know when it hits the fan. Um, of just chucking him forward to give him a little bit of a go forward. I actually, what's disappointed me is there's been opportunity, more opportunities to play him in the middle. Um, I thought yeah. what our our best game in the middle was Wardlaw's first Wardlaw first or second game when Wardlaw and Chisel played in the middle against Sydney, and we looked really really strong. And I just haven't seen a lot of him in the middle since. Um, so it's just been an interesting one. I understand why they've played him, you know, down back this year. I would be surprised if next year that is still the situation. Um, I, I, you know, you'd want to be seeing him get a lot more mid-forward time. Um, I, I think the only reason why they've pursued with him down back, other than easing him into it, is that we genuinely do not have another player in our back line of the same skill set as as Sheasel. Um, we don't have a lot of class down there in terms of, you know, kicking efficiency um, or being able to bite a kick off. And that's made it an, almost a necessity to, to put him down there. Um, yeah, look, it's one of those ones that I would like to see him get a bit more of a role around the field because if you're going to lose anyway, then just play him in the position that you hopefully will play him in in the future. I don't want to see him play his entire career down back. I think that'd be a bit of a bit of a waste. Not no offense to Backman, um, but yeah, I think they've kind of done it out of necessity almost, just because we don't have you know the elite kicking skills coming off the half back line. Yeah, and we don't have any overlap whatsoever from uh, the back line at the moment. He's pretty much the only one that's doing it, which is, like you said, a little bit sad that uh, we can't get someone else that uh, – I mean, Aaron Hall can do it, but, you know, I mean, there comes risk with that as well, and he is 32-33 uh, on his last leagues. Uh, Marnie, I mean, LDU seems to be carrying our midfield the last two weeks, and the minute he was quelled in that third quarter, I think he still had six or seven touches – we didn't respond at all. I think it was it was uh, three goals, six to scoreless in that third quarter. Which, hey, hey, you can do that against the bottom team who conceded two hundred plus points um, just over over a month ago is uh, pretty. I mean, that, that's as low as it gets, doesn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, there was a graphic that came up on the screen um, during the coverage throughout the game, and both North and West Coast. It was well published. We had lost sixteen games in a row each. Um, North had lost an average losing margin of 39 points and West Coast by an average losing margin of 70 points. So it mm. just, it really just adds, it keeps adding. It's a story that just keeps giving this loss, unfortunately. LDU's a superstar and they he's just trying to do it alone. And the really hard part for LDU is that there are times where he really is the only one trying to take the game on and trying to generate something out of the middle most of the time. And that was really evident on Sunday afternoon. But there were times where he got caught and there were times where he got caught holding the ball because he's the only one that's trying to do anything. So with high risk comes high reward, unfortunately. Um, he's just such an he's just such a delight and he's just such an incredible player. And I think just looking, kind of taking a step back on it now, from the outside, it looks like he really loves the club and he really wants to be there long-term. And he said that quite a few times over the past few years. But, you know, over the next sort of two or two seasons, I would say, we've got to make some big changes because we cannot afford to have someone like him 
walking out the door. I think someone like Taron Thomas, while his skill is elite, probably replaceable because of the, you know, just because of the trade-off you're getting with with the attitude and personality, which is something that we had with Jason Horn francis last season. Uh, Mackay is very much in his... I actually thought he was quite good on the weekend, but his attitude impacts his game and he does not want to be there and it is so obvious. Um, so, you know, he's obviously replaceable too, but it's someone like LDU, he just bleeds blue and white and he wants to be there and he wants his club to succeed more than anything and it's so evident that he plays and the passion that he plays with that, you know, it's someone like him that we really need to invest in and make sure that he's sticking around long term. So, yes, unbelievable game. Um, another sensational performance. And, you know, it's just such a shame that we haven't been able to see the, a lot more of him this year due to injury because we walk a lot taller with him in the side. Um, and, yeah, it's just uh, he, he's, he's it's a one-man show at the moment with LDU and he really needs others around him to step up to the plate because they're just not at the moment. No, definitely not. I mean, he's certainly the midfielder we build our side around. I um, mean, we're going to get more law. Um, you know, Harry Sheasel, like uh, Jesse said, will be going through there um, over over time as well, over the years for periods. Will Phillips as well has looked uh, very good in periods. So, yeah, I mean, but, you know, the midfield starts around him, which is... Um, which is, you know, something to hold your hat on, I suppose. Uh, Frank, we'll talk about the back line. And Marnie sort of mentioned Ben McKay. Now, what did you make of him having a laugh about that shank kick he did um, along the ground uh, in the back pocket that went uh, out of bounds in the back pocket? Um, what did you think about that, uh, him having a laugh about it? Um, should he have responded after doing something like that? Like that? I, all I could think about, Dean, is what would have Dennis Pagan done? Um, and I suspect uh, Ben Mackay might have been delisted at halftime um, if Dennis Pagan had been there. So uh, I, I'm a bit old school like that. I didn't see the funny side of it at all. I, I thought it just really summed up where he was at, um, and it was just really disappointing to see, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it is a bit uh, disappointing. I mean, I guess if you don't uh, laugh, you cry. But uh, at the moment, you know, I mean, supporters, and you know, like you said, you know, we're, I'm I'm a little bit old school, and uh, yeah, we we certainly, um, yeah, we, we, we want to see uh, victories. I mean, if you're winning games, then fine, you could have a laugh about things like well, that. But when you when you're losing yeah. every week, the other thing, Dean, is he seems to have built up this aversion to kicking forward. Uh, it seems to be sideways or no ways. And then at that stage, he couldn't even do sideways. So it really sort of became painful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesse, I think there's a real lack of synergy even between the back six. I mean, I, I seen it last week with Josh Goda, who took an intercept mark and started running across the ground looking for someone to pass to. And I think he just passed it back to the back pocket to someone. I think he finally found someone. I mean, it's really like an over, overlap and spread at the moment. I mean, with that uh, Mackay incident, when it happened, uh, no one was moving. I mean, everyone was just standing still, besides Harry Sheasel. Um, and the players were standing and sort of saying to themselves, well, I'll have a break now. And it forced him to only look look for him, pretty much, Harry Sheasel. Uh, we, are, you know, we see so often that we have a player and he looks everywhere to find an option and just ends up kicking it long down the boundary line because he has nothing else. I mean, this is an area we really need to fix, don't we? Oh, look, our ability to transition and our ability to 
get free and 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 give our backline an option has been poor for years it's definitely something that we need to be working on from a strategy perspective from a game plan perspective because you're absolutely right um you know spot on go to young kid gets the ball he go he, he he's going to play in an aggressive manner that's the type of player that he looks like he wants to be he looks up there's no one to go to uh, same with Sheasel a lot of the time. Like he'll try and bite off a kick, but even with Sheasel, sometimes he looks up and there's no one to go to. Uh, yeah, we're not giving our backline options to work with, um, but that's no excuse for Mackay's kick. That was deplorable. Um, it and all of the kicks we're getting are generally pretty dinky. I mean, on on a slight positive for the backline, I thought Aiden Core had another good week. Um, I think he's had a, a few solid weeks now since Griff went down. Um, I think he, he had 18 disposals, 14 were kicks. He went at 89% disposal efficiency and he got 500 metres gain. So, I mean, they're, they're decent stats in terms of being able to move the ball along. Um, that suggests that he knew when to pick off kicks in that. So, kudos to, you know, we'll say something positive and give kudos to, to Core, who we whacked for a fair bit of the year. Um, but, yeah, look, for large parts of, of, of every game this year, we haven't, our backlines had nothing to go to. And then you have a look at the final few minutes when, you know, we needed to actually win the game and West Coast were just picking off free people as if we had no strategy to defend it. So, yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done with game plan, strategy, where to stand, um, just basic, you know, football 101. Yeah, I mean, there was someone's there uh, after that Brisbane game. We conceded about 40 bucks inside 50. I remember, and ever since then, it's been a, you know, a, a really rough ride, um, a little bit up and down with the back line. So, there's been some good weeks, but there's been a lot of terrible ones as well. And yeah, like you said, Aiden Cord, um, yeah, last few weeks, uh, since Griffin Logan's got, gone down, has at least stepped up, which is good to see. Um, Marnie, our captain, uh, five disposals at zero after half time. He was cited a couple of times on TV. Um, Siobhan Rowe uh, tweeted that leadership starts at the top and he isn't delivering. I mean, should he be getting a game right now? Yeah, I thought about this um, and I thought that maybe there was, um, maybe there was a, when Simpkin came back, um, there was space for him to maybe go back into the VFL for a few weeks. It would certainly make a statement. Um but I don't know. I, I now, on reflection, I don't know if it's the best move. Um, I think that as a whole, and I think Luke McDonald would know more than anyone that he's struggling right now. And I don't know if I don't know if dropping him is going to be the best thing for his confidence. Um, I know it sounds ridiculous because he's not exactly setting the world on fire at the moment. Um, but I think that. For me, Simpkins not Simpkins obviously came back. It was his first week back this week, but he for me also didn't really stand up on Sunday. Um, I think that Simpkins obviously been in and out of the side this year. Um, with with injury and with concussion, and that's something you have to be really very few times this year. Have I seen Simpkins also really step up when we need him to? And I'm not trying to deflect from McDonald, but I don't think either of them are really pushing themselves to be the leaders that we need them to be. And I think Jack Zebel's probably been still our strongest leader this year. I think Liam Shields has been excellent when he's been in the side as well. Um, I think Todd Goldstein and Ben Cunnington both losing their spots 
multiple times this season is enough of a message to show that no one's safe um, in that side because both of those players have been a lock in our side for the last 10 years, you know, plus, plus. So for me, I think that's enough. That should be enough of a message to the playing group that they should really understand that no one is safe. Um, I just, I'd, A, I don't know if it's the best move for a general confidence thing to drop McDonald. Two, I don't think Simkin stepping up to the plate either. I know it might sound a bit harsh, but he 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 wasn't overly I wouldn't say LDU was the one who was inspiring on the weekend and Paul Curtis was the one that was inspiring on the weekend. Sheasel in the last quarter really tried to really try to generate something. It wasn't coming from Simkin at any point, nor was it coming from McDonald. So I don't think dropping either of them is the answer. I think it needs to be I think I think the whole playing group as a whole needs to want to do better. Um, and I just, with four rounds left of the year, I don't know. I, they can reassess it at the end of the year, but I don't think now it's really going to do anything by dropping him, to be honest. But if they did do that, I wouldn't be against it. I just don't know if it's really going to do anything, to be honest, if they do it now. No, nah, probably won't. To be honest with you, it's yeah. I mean, we're losing every week anyway. It's not like we've lost three in a row. And, you know, we're a chance to play finals or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I don't know what message you would send if you did drop him. But yeah, I mean, he hasn't been. Yeah, he hasn't been on fire. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, Frank, we'll go to the midfield. Um, yeah, I think we had 90 more clearances in the first half. Uh, somehow we're still seven points down. I mean, we just talked about LDU. He was running right for the second week in a row. Uh, 30 touches for the game with eight clearances, 566 metres gained. Should he be leading the club right now and captain? Uh, I just worry, Dean, that, you know, do you put the weight of uh, of the captaincy on a, on someone who may not be ready for it and then bring his um, standard down, um, you know, just through responsibility? I don't know. It might make him a better player. But, um, yeah, I certainly – we touched on before some of those matchups, and I thought allowing um, – West Coast in the third quarter to bring up the high half forwards uh, to the clearances uh, with sometimes one or two extra around the ball was a really, really silly move that just did not work. I understand if we had rebounding half backs that were running and bouncing at the time that we could hurt them the other way, but that wasn't going to happen. And they just dominated the clearances and uh, we just looked like we couldn't push the ball forward at, at, at any cost. And, yeah, thank God LDU sort of still uh, worked hard um, to try, but um, it just wasn't wasn't anywhere near enough. Yeah, I mean, it was probably – their run was uh, far too late. Uh, the third quarter really hurt us. Uh, Jesse, how did you see the Todd Goldstein-Tristan-Sherry ruck game? I thought they both played well. Goldie had only touches, 14 contested. 22 uh, hitouts and eight clearances. Sherry kicked two goals with 33 hitouts, four scoring rivals. And his best game since coming back from injury. I thought they both looked good in periods for the game. Oh, absolutely. Look, I thought that was probably the most effective that I've seen them work in tandem. Um, you know, I thought Goldie's work around the contest was good. It was good to see Tristan actually, well, to be blunt, actually do something as a forward. Um, I think the knock on him is has been that other than being in the ruck, he can't really offer, an, you know, much forward. He's got to under, he's got to think he's a big body. He's a big boy. And I've watched him in the VFL. He knows how to take a mark. Um, 
he needs to back himself to do that more often. So, you know, I think it was, look, I thought it, from the Ruckman perspective, they were fairly promising. They had their ups and downs. Um, so, yeah, not much to knock on the Ruck side of things. I, I thought it, you know, it, it, it showed some signs. Uh, it's probably the model they'll go with for at least the next few weeks, I'll think, unless they bring, obviously, CCJ back. But it's probably the the model that they'll run with. Um, obviously, there's the question mark on what, what either Goldie does with himself or we do with Goldie going into next year. Um, but, yeah, look, it was a positive find, uh, sign from Tristan because, you know, he, he probably hasn't had a great few weeks um, yeah. while he was, you know, pretty effective on the weekend up forward, which was good. Gives us some options. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely does. Um, yeah, and he kept a nice goal last week too. So it, it looks like he's not a bad set shot, but goal, to be honest with you, for a big Yeah, which is, which is good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, not that we kick many goals. Uh, um, Marnie, I mean, Frank sort of mentioned it, um, that once the Eagles got an extra player in the stoppage in the third, and, and a sweeper as well, just in case LDU was bursting through, they got over the top of us and... Really started to win the midfield battle. I mean, Tim Kelly in the third quarter had 11 disposals, four clearances, 10 of those contested, and that was enough to win the game. Who do we blame for, for this? Uh, because we didn't adjust. Does it come down to coaching and not passing the message out there um, that this is ha- what's happening? Uh, leaders on the ground should be knowing because it looks like no one is communicating that until it is too late, which is quite frustrating. I mean, we, we've talked about the leadership a fair bit tonight. I mean, if the commentators know it's going on... So, Surely someone from Air Club should know what's going on as well. Absolutely. I think it was an issue. I think I actually think the midfield was to be honest. They just weren't. They weren't in they weren't they weren't in sync. I don't know. We won we, we comprehensively won the won the hit out and the clearances in the first half, but we just turned the ball over and West Coast was scoring at every opportunity they got, really. Um so it wasn't working. And then obviously, you know, they they came out and adjusted after half time and we didn't. Um, I have to be honest, I think on reflection of this last sort of period, Brett Ratton's not a great coach. He's okay. Um, and he's a fantastic guy. And I can't I think we'll forever be in debt for for him stepping into this role in a time the club really needed. But the reality is we come out of this, we haven't won a game. Uh we've been close a few times, but we just haven't been able to get over the line. And I feel like we haven't really, there's, yes, we've, I feel like we've come out inspired after quarter time. We've come out inspired after three quarter time. There's been, you know, periods, there's been periods in games where we've been able to respond and bounce back, obviously. And we have the fast side on St Kilda, but we've not really had an ability to change our structure and the way we play within a quarter. Um, that is why St Kilda ran over the top of us. That is why there's been m- m- quite a number of teams, West Coast again, there's these five to seven minute bursts and clubs can just either, I mean, we saw it with St Kilda last week, the way they just, they 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 came straight back into the game in that fourth quarter and they closed the gap within 15 minutes. West Coast got out to, you know, almost a five goal lead. They got out to a 30 point lead twice in that game. Sydney got the far side and us. Multiple teams have got the far sudden fast start. They've they've come back really quickly, and we just don't know how to we don't know how to stop the floodgates. I think that an element has to be down to coaching, and our in and 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 Rutten, 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 to change that 
you know, and make those quick decisions within a quarter. And I, and I stress, this doesn't mean he's a bad person. He's an unbelievable person. And like I said, I think we'll forever be in debt for him stepping into this position when Clarko has been away, but the, the results don't lie. We've walked away without a win. Have we seen a bit of progress and improvement? Yes. But we're sitting here after losing to the bottom of the ladder, stone cold bottom of the ladder, one of the worst sides we've seen in the history of the competition. And we just didn't have an answer for them. I mean, that is just unbelievable. That is unbelievable to me. So I think maybe it comes, I think maybe it comes down to work rate as well. Um, you guys were talking about um, our inability to transition the ball out of defence. With going into the forward 50, our forward line is stagnant. The same way that when we're coming out of defence, we're stagnant. Lockie Young actually was visibly frustrated at one point in the game because he had no one to kick to coming yeah. out of the back line because no one's moving. So it's probably right, and it's probably an element of coaching. And here we are. We've lost 17 games in a row. You know, that's the results speak for themselves. So for me, I think it's an element of a few things. And it just, yeah, the more I talk about it, actually the more frustrated I get. So I'm going to leave that one there. <laughs> no, fair, fair, no, fair enough. Yeah, I could sort of sense uh, you're getting a bit uh, frustrated. Uh, all fair points too. Like if if you know, if we can see that uh, they've got an extra player in a stoppage, then why aren't we doing the quell it? I mean, like Frank sort of said, we're not getting, uh, you know, we're not getting an extra player in the back line that's giving us rebound or anything like that. Why not just, uh, you know, we had an advantage, um, you know, with clearances and it got us back into the game. Why not just uh, get an extra player around there and, you know, force that player away from the stoppage? You know, it could have just been, you know, I mean, if commentators can sort of see that, um, you know, our coaches should be able to, you know, adjust to that a lot quicker. Uh, and maybe you're right, Marnie. Maybe you know, you know. Look, we're not having a go at the guy as a character, but maybe you know, he isn't it? You know, the greatest coach. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe there's a reason why he was sacked from security. I'm not too sure, and I don't mean to say sound nasty about it all, but uh, there might be, you know, a reason why why it all happened. Um, we'll move forward anyway. Uh, Frank, the forward line, and I thought this was the game that would, we would be a chance to score 100 points, and we had patches. Um, where we kick quick goals, but that pressure from the forward line to lock that ball uh, in and play a forward half game is non-existent right now, isn't it? Absolutely non-existent, Dean. Um, what do we have? Five tackles inside the forward fifty, and I don't even remember four of them. Um, so it, it comes out of there very, very easily. As I've said a few times on the podcast, Dean, I think we're the easiest side to defend against. Not only do we not have the forward pressure. But I'd say 80% of the time that the opposition know we're going to the top of Nick Larkey's head. Um, and it must just be so easy for defenders. I mean, to the extent where they put, um, it was it uh, uh, Hearn on uh, Larkey? Um, because, uh, you know, they, they sort of knew that the ball's going there, it, bring it to ground and it's going to get run out of there and we can um, start to attack from there. But, Yep, there was very, very little forward pressure. And we've tried a number of players, uh, but at the moment it's just, it just isn't happening. Yeah, I think we've tried every small forward under the sun, to be honest yep. with you. And they've, they've all pretty much given us the same 
as as each other. Um, Jesse, I thought this that was Nick Larkey's poorest game for the year as well. He kicked two, mm. but kept getting work under the ball by an experienced turn, uh, who announced his, his retirement today. Um, it was an outstanding career. I mean, I understand the delivery was poor, but I felt like he should have almost been a decoy for Curtis, who looked real threatening one-on-one all game. Yeah, look, I, I have to agree with you there. I, look, he did kick the two goals, absolutely, but he... His competitiveness looked like it was down. He can't, he can't, him and a lot of the players just look flat. They just, he just, he just looked flat. He, he wasn't competing in the contest. He was getting often beaten by a smaller man. Even on the odd occasions where they did get him one-on-one, he dropped some real sitters. So his confidence looked really low. There was marks that he'd mark 10 times out of, you know, nine times out of 10 and he dropped those. And then he had people on him half his height. And they just they were easily able to defend. Now, as Frank said, on some occasions there, that's because there were they knew it was going to go to him, and they were able to take advantage of that. But sometimes it was one on one, and he just could not win against a smaller man. And yeah, it was just it was just unfortunate because that should that could have been a club that he, you know, Kerno kicked. a dozen on them, well, almost a dozen of them the week before. He picked, people have absolutely gone to town and, and, and stocked up on the Coleman against them. And that should have been a game that he was able to take by the scruff of the neck, even with our delivery. So it was, look, it was really, really disappointing if it wasn't for Curtis. Um, you know, God, where would we have been, really? Yeah, well, we would have only kicked, uh, we would have kicked uh, five goals for the game against the bottom team. <laughs> it concedes uh, 200 points uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Marnie, I want to talk to you about selection as well while we're um, having a go at Ratten and all the coaches and all that sort of thing. But uh, why are we wasting our time with Kane Turner? Nothing against the bloke. Um, I'm sure he's a fantastic guy, but he isn't going to be on a list next season. And I'd rather Drury or Spicer in than Kane Turner. Or am I being too harsh with Kane Turner then? No, I completely agree with you. I have no issue with us playing Kane Turner. I have no issue with us playing Dan Howe, but that's not the direction that we have apparently been going in in the second half of the year. Liam Shields has been in and out of the sides. Abel's sort of been dropped to the substitute. Hugh Greenwood's not getting a game. I don't even want to go there. Um, Todd Goldstein. Todd Goldstein has to share the love with Tristan Cherry. I mean, all well and good. All well and good, fine. We're looking to the future, we're playing the kids, yada yada yada, and then you see Kane Turner getting a game. I just it makes mm. no sense to me whatsoever. Kicked a really nice goal to, to to open our account for the day. A couple of really good smother efforts, and that's something that we've seen from Kane Turner in the, all the games he's played this year. He's had bits and pieces of it, but it's been uh, you know one or two things here and there, and that's it. Shop, you know, shut shop for the day. I just don't. I really don't get it. I would rather just play Cooper Harvey for the rest of the year. What is this guy doing in the side? It's no, it's not, it could be anyone. It, it, you know, Kane Turner, Dan Howe, whoever. But like, I just, I can't understand. I just don't understand because it's not the direction we're supposed It's just been the players movement. So what is the point of bringing Kane into the side? We really dropped – Cooper Harvey wasn't good against St Kilda. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But he's young. He's played, He's played. you know, not even five games yet. You've got to play him to get the experience into him, to be able to, you know, got to string a few games together, give him a bit of time. I'd rather him just have his spot for the rest of the year and just get a taste at senior level. 
unbelievable, honestly. Sometimes it's making me sick. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I'm glad no, we got no. the Greenwood thing in there, to be honest, because I was I was waiting for that to get brought up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, Greenwood only got the ten handballs for the game and struggled against a, a pretty decent Werribee midfield. Uh, in all fairness, um, it's my my good. my reasoning for that is I think he <coughs> understands. He's even at the point now where he thinks it's so ridiculous that he's not playing that he's just protesting. Yeah, I have to agree. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want That's to kick the That's the ball. only logical reason. It's the only logical reason I've come up with now. He's just joined me and a bunch of other people on the protest. Hopefully we're getting back into the side this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like, with a player like that, and he probably sees some players like Kane Turner get uh, a game in the seniors, that you probably think, you know, deep down, I mean, I've been in sporting teams and I often wonder how this person gets a game ahead of me or so forth or whatever that. I wonder if this is going through some of the players' heads and it's really affecting their performances when they do drop down. Um, it might be a psychological thing. So, because the reserves... Think, after, yeah, go on. I just want to say one thing, the one frustrating... I'll stop. He's a leader. If yeah. anyone's watched Hugh field throughout the year when he he doesn't stop talking i actually have never seen one. i'm surprised he's got any energy left by the end of the game because he directs traffic he is constantly but he's on the bench he's constantly talking to the players on the bench he's on the field he's constantly talking to the midfielders he's the first one to approach any young guy when he's done something good he's the first one to go and give criticism and that's what the team's lacking because we're not getting it from our captains at the moment you know, we've got someone in LDU who's really trying to inspire the side through his action, but he probably doesn't have that lead. I think I think LDU could be a leader um, of the club in the next few years. I'm probably not yet, but I think he definitely has that ability. But right now, you really need a strong, solid leader, and that is what Hugh Greenwood is, and that's what he can bring to the side, and we are so desperate for it. We're only getting it from Zeebel, you know, for a quarter of a game because he's the sub. As we've all just, you know, we've discussed, we're not really getting it from our captains. That's mm. what he can bring to the side that I think we really need. And he's saying on next year, and it'll be the next year, and I think we really need that, you know. And I just think people mm. have to kind of look outside the outside the box a little bit. And I think that we really could use the side for multiple reasons, not just for what he brings in terms of playing ability but as a leader as well. And I think that's a very, very frustrating element of it too. Yeah, I think it's been one of the more mysterious selections throughout the year when, um, and not because you're on the show, Marnie, but he, every time he's played, we've been a better team. And yeah, even I think Craig McRae praised him and Goldstein after a game. I mean, if you've got uh, those two in the in the centre of the ground, you know, you, you're going to win, you know, it's a formidable partnership or something to those, to the words of those that effect against the top team. Yeah, he's sort of uh, praising it. And, yeah, it's been one of the mysteries of the season. And I think his last game he played, he was a sub, and he came on when we were 50 points down. I mean, what, what are you going to get out of that? And Yeah, even if he does play as a sub, at least, you know, like you said, he is communicating out there. He is uh, using his voice. And I, and I often wonder um, yeah, if, it, if we are getting many of those players out there that are doing it, um, because at the moment it doesn't certainly look like it. Um, now, boys and money will finish with we play the most informed comp in the uh, in the league almost now uh, on the weekend uh, against Melbourne, uh, Frank. What are you hoping to see? A score. <laughs> uh, behind no, or... <laughs> no, no, you know how we keep we keep having these um, these chats and we keep going. Look, we're clearly at rock bottom. 
I just got this feeling that we'll uncover something even lower than what happened Sunday and maybe walk away without a goal. Um, so, uh, honestly, I don't know what to expect, Dean. I, I'd like us to get within eight goals. You know, I'd, I'd say Melbourne are at least a two-goal a quarter better side than what we are, it, it, it would, having to use your imagination. So I think if they keep it under eight goals, you could probably walk away and, and go look, for, if not for a bad 10 minutes here or a bad five minutes there, um, we were reasonably competitive. My fear is that it ends up being a 20-goal loss. Uh, it depends. Well, I've got this feeling it depends what Melbourne really want to do and how much they want to be by. Because I've got a feeling halfway through the third quarter, they'll just sub out Petrarca and you know, um, just uh, put a couple of players on the bench. Um, yeah. What about you, Jesse? What are you hoping to see? Jeez, mate, I don't know where to start with that. Look, I just want to see the the you know the older blokes stand up. You know, we've said it all through this podcast in terms of players not showing up this year. I don't want to be rough to anyone, but you know, Simpkins averaging his second low, he he's you know his lowest disposal since twenty nineteen. He was averaging twenty six the last two years, and I understand he's had a couple injuries, but he he's averaging nineteen this year. Um, he's only had, he hasn't had over 30 disposals for a game this year. He had it over over six times last year. So he's completely off the boil. It's putting a lot of pressure on LDU, um, because Simkin is just not showing up. Luke McDonald, I agree. I wouldn't drop him. I said four or five weeks ago, play him in another position. We saw him play as a tagger. He did a decent job. Play him on the wing forward. I don't really care. I'm happy for him to be in the side because the one thing I will say about Luke McDonald is when you see someone make a mistake or you see that, he generally goes up and has a conversation with him. He's obviously in the team for a reason. He's uh, he's obviously captain for a reason. People voted him to be captain. We need to understand that. But he's not in form in the back line. Play a kid in the back line. Play him in a different position. I don't really care. But try something else to get the most out of him and make it easier for him because it's, get, it's getting worse for him. He's performing worse as the weeks go by. So put him in another position, alleviate the pressure a little bit, get him out of a position which is very stressful in our side. Simpkin, I, I don't know whether or not he plays a little bit more outside or a bit of a different role, but he's just not getting him how he how he likes. Um, the, what I'd like is probably the other thing I'd like is obviously Melbourne's got a ridiculously good midfield. I'd like us to put the challenge to, to Phillips to, you know, play against one of their key midfielders, more of an inside, so probably against Devine or something, and just follow him around and watch what he does in terms of his attack on the ball. I think Phillips has had some really, really good games this year. I've seen some rubbish takes on social media about how he's not performing. He, I mean, he's effectively in his second season because of, you know, obviously glandular fever all last year. He's averaging 18.6 disposals in his second season. Cunnington was averaging 12. Jai was averaging 14 and LDU was averaging 14. So he's already averaging 4.5 disposals more than them. Uh, and he's averaging more clearances. He's doubling them in clearance. And I'm going to be focusing on this week is, yeah, Will Phillips, uh, as I said, uh, well, uh, you know, I know that we had some issues this then, but he's averaging 18 disposals this year and he's averaging four, four, 4.08 clearances, which is, you know, effectively double clearances of what LDU, Cunnington and Simkin were averaging in their second seasons. And he's averaging 4.5 disposals more than they all were in their second season. Mm. I've seen some crap takes saying that he's, you know, that he's not going to make it and he's too small and, 
you know, he's when he has a bit of a quieter game, they have a go at him. Were these the same? Were these same people having a go about Ben Cunnington, LDU, and Simpson when they weren't making it? Because I, Will Phillips, from all I've seen of him, would be a great leader. I think he's got some good leadership qualities. He seems to have a good head on his shoulders, and he's played some really solid games this year. And when they've actually given the challenge to him, Collingwood, Essendon, two games that I can think of. He played really, really well. So maybe they can move Simpkin to a, a bit of a different position outside, a little bit more wing forward. It mean that the pressure of being, you know, the main or this, you know, the Robin in the midfield to LDU's Batman. Um, maybe they say to Phillips, "Look, you're going to be the, the the second the second man man this week. You're going to back up LDU. Give him a challenge because I, I think he's he's going to take it quicker than the other guys did." Yeah. I'm- couldn't agree more with that. So, yeah, well, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. But, yeah, like, like you sort of said, I mean, we haven't been throwing the magnets around too much. We've all we've just been sticking with what we've been, you know, uh, doing for, you know, that hasn't been working pretty much all year, and we've sort of just been sticking with it far too much. Uh, Marnie, besides Hugh Greenwood, uh, anything else you want to see this week? Well, Clark goes back this week, and everyone knows new coach. So, stranger things have happened. I mean, you know, why not? I don't think Let me just have this, okay, Dean? I really (laughs) want to try and inject some positivity here. Nah, um, I'm really looking forward to having Clarko back, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how our last four games sort of roll out um, if he is supposedly in a better headspace than when he, you know, than when he left uh, 10 weeks ago which I, th- I think we all hope that he is. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how we perform, what the game plan really looks like. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no, uh, no surprise. I would obviously love to see Hugh Greenwood back in the side. I know I'm not alone in that. Um, but I think I just want to see us have a crack, to be honest. I'm really, that is the one thing for me. I'm sick and tired of feeling like I'm sitting at home watching the game or I'm going to every game and I care more about the game than the players do. And, I mean, that's a big issue if I care more than they do. Um, I just want to see us throw everything we've got at them. And at the end of the day, right, the Ds are one of the benchmark teams in the competition. I think they'll definitely be pushing for a flag again this year. And there's so much we can learn off them. You know, um, we, you know, as, you know, you said just before, I mean, Dean, they've got one of the best midfielders, not the best midfield in the competition something we can learn from that, something we can take away from that. I just want, we need to have a better first quarter than we did when we played them earlier in the year, because that was probably the worst start to a game we've had all year. We've had some, we've, we've, we've had a lot of slow starts this year, but I mean, cold night, at the MCG, Charlie Coleman's broken his leg in what is one of the worst injuries I've ever seen. Um, and we just didn't even give a yelp. Um, before quarter time. So we need to show up from the very beginning. We've got to be on from the start. If we throw everything we've got at them, got at them and we're still 10 goals off it, well, then so be it. But I'm really sick and tired of feeling like I'm the only one that cares when I'm sitting down to watch the game, be it at home, which it will be on the weekend, or whether I'm at the game. So, you know, we've got four weeks left. I think we've really just got to give it all that we've got. I'm sure there are plenty of tired and sore bodies out there probably a few that have mentally checked out. And you know what? I know this might be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but if Taron Thomas and Ben Mackay are mentally checked out, don't play them. I know that's a really – that I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would disagree with that, but if they don't – if 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 they've checked out and they don't want to be there, don't put them – don't put them in through more misery. Get rid of them. 
sideline them for the rest of the year and give, you know, give someone else a chance. Maybe give Callan Dawson a chance down back. I'm surprised, still surprised I haven't seen him play mm. um, to this point in the season. You know, bring Miller Bergman back, play Tom Powell, Charlie Lazaro. I mean, these Hugh Greenwood, these are guys who are screaming for an opportunity. And if there are two guys in our side that are taking that for granted, just don't play them. I'm kind of at that point now where I'm just like, we're looking, I think we've really, the last four weeks of this year is really just planning for next year. And if neither of the, those guys want to be there next year, well, then what's the point of keeping them in the side for the, you know, the last four weeks of the year? I'd rather have someone in there that's going to have a crack because I guarantee you someone with attitude is going to be the one that's going to drive us to a potential victory in the last four weeks than someone who's got skill and just chooses not to use it. Yeah, I mean, you take the right attitude over anyone that's got talent, that's for sure, 100%. And well said, Marnie, too. Um, well, Frank has uh, cut out. Apparently, his laptop has died. It's been a long episode. Uh, Jesse, did you want to add anything else before I let you go? No, nah, not really, mate. Look, I completely agree with what Marnie said. If, if they've given any indication to the club that they're not going to be there next year, then don't play them. Um, best for the club if we don't do that. It lets us put some extra games into some kids. And people who actually want to be there and also not good for their mental health. Like if they don't want to be there and they're checked out and they're not enjoying their time at work and they're, you know, they're miserable, then don't play them for their own sake as well as ours. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, Marnie, uh, strong words at the end and yeah, strong words during the podcast, like all of us, but uh, do you want anything else before I let you go? Just stick with it. There is no point, you know, these tough times are going to be, all worth it when we come out on the other end. Don't do a Carlton, you know, don't be a Carlton supporter and spit on your mem- the players or, you know, cut off your membership or put it in the microwave. It's tough and it's so hard and it's very emotionally gruelling sometimes, especially for all of us who are really, really passionate about the club and passionate about the game. But all of this will be worth it in the next couple of years. You just got to stick with it. No, definitely. Um, and definitely don't put your membership in the microwave because I think it's all digital now anyway. So you'd be putting your, your, your phone in the microwave. So that, that'd be pretty stupid. But, <laughs> definitely uh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, look, I, it was a uh, long podcast. Uh, it was a big therapy session. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Jesse. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hopefully uh, next week. Th- well, yeah. Hopefully next week it's a little easier. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm certainly not optimistic. Marnie, no. did you want to add anything else before I let you go? No, just thank you guys so much. Always a pleasure. So thank you very much to Marnie, Frank and Jesse for all coming to the show tonight and having an extended therapy session, like I sort of said at the start of the show. And once again, thanks to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, retweets and comments you all put out for the show. It's much appreciated. And if you can leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform you use as well, that would be awesome. I will be back on Thursday uh, to preview our game coming up against Melbourne on Sunday. Um, I'm sure there'll be a little bit more to talk uh, chat about. Um, we'll try not to be too negative like today. Unfortunately, it was a bit of a negative podcast, so I do apologize for that. And yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, we can have a bit more positivity uh, on, on Thursday and even next week. Uh, but uh, we are where we are for a reason. Anyways, that's it for today's show. So today, I will leave a shout out to Lankin Roo at Lankin Roo on Twitter. Bye for now and go Roos.